You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast sponsored by Lono Coffee. Visit LonoCoffee.com. Use promo code COFFEE2020 for a discount. And that's L-O-N-E-O-N-K Coffee.com. Today, we discuss Washington's first loss of the season, an ugly 30-15 defeat at Arizona. I'll be joined by Michael Phillips of the Richmond Times-Dispatch, who was in in Glendale. I was actually at FedEx Field, not because I forgot where the game was, but this is the new life in COVID. I'm writing a story about what it was like to broadcast a game when you're not there. Look for that later in the week on ESPN.com. But you're here to talk about and commiserate about the game, so let's get to it. Here are a few observations. This will sound like an excuse, but it's not. It's reality and something I've said for a while. It will take time for this team to develop and grow. If indeed, if indeed it does, it was always going to take time. After beating Philly last week, I was asked in my mailbag if this changed my expectations for the season. I said no, it did not, and days like Sunday are why. They're not set up to have that sort of success this year. It's a young team with a lot of holes. I was talking to another NFC scout last week who saw that opener and his comment was, they're going to struggle. They have holes. It's reality. What you need to see is how do they respond this week to an ugly loss. You can develop the mindset you, and you need to do it So if you want, because you need that if you're going to build anything. During the week, Coach Ron Rivera said it would take the offense a while, maybe another year before it hit a stride. I completely agreed with that assessment. I didn't take it as the coach making an excuse. I felt he was being brutally honest. This team was not set up to have instant offensive success, and you just have to understand that. And it's it's hard because you've heard this for so many years, and you're you're being asked to be patient once again. It's just the situation they're in, and people have got to be honest with it. They're not set up to have that kind of success. They can play better, but they're not set up to have great success. But, yes, expect better play. They have a quarterback who now has made nine starts in the NFL and plays behind a line that needs to be upgraded and with skill talent that must be upgraded as well. Dontrell Inman is their third receiver right now. Let that sink in. It's going to take a while. This was a 3-13 and team, folks. It wasn't just about coaching or Bruce Allen. But this is, this is the remnants of that, of that regime, and they're not going to go out and give up the sort of draft capital it would take to go get a, a, a top receiver at this point. Listen, people, this might end up to be a top 10 draft pick when it's all said and done. You're not going to give that kind of stuff up right now, knowing that your team is not at a point where you could, if let's say you go went out and got a receiver, where is this team then? It's just not where you need to be. So you need to sit, hold on to that capital and then, again, see what you have now and build for the future or build for next year. But there's no doubt that the shopping list will be long this summer. The guy I'm curious to see at some point is Sadiq Charles. I have a feeling we'll see him relatively soon. That's not something I've been told. But what I do know is that they were excited about him before he got hurt this summer and feel he can play either guard or tackle. 
he won't be the answer for the overall woes. But if he can go out and play well this season at either spot, then you can cross another need or one need off the list. I get into this into the first field goal with Michael Phillips later on, and I'm a bit torn on Ron Rivera going for that field goal. Ultimately, he read his team just like he read it last week against the Eagles. They had momentum in that game, so the call to go for it on fourth down was an easy one. In this game, they had no momentum, and I don't know what the analytics say to do in that situation, but the on-field product suggested that converting would have been difficult. But the other part of me says if you're trying to win, does it matter if it's 20 to nothing or 20 to 3? I guess it does for Rivera, and that's his belief, and he's the head coach. It does show how I do think it shows how young this team is. I wonder if it had been a more veteran team if he would have made that same decision or felt the need to do so. But part of that growing process apparently is making sure to develop that confidence, and the offense did get it going late. So I do think that that decision is played into a long-term picture here. I also get into this with Michael later, and we talked about Troy Apke during the week last week. The scout I talked to during the week um, considered him a special teams player. I know the organization liked his development in the offseason. All we knew this summer is that he looked good in practice. And the other safeties, he looked better than the other safeties at that spot. I also know I always pointed out that it's hard to accurately gauge a safety based just on practice. But a guy like that, players like Wes Martin, etc., absolutely needed a preseason. Apke has to improve. I don't know what he saw in that deep ball today or why he was so shallow. I just know that receivers keep getting behind him, and for a guy whose speed is a top asset, that's not good. That's about playing with your eyes better, knowing the situation, knowing who you're going against, and all that. And I think there's a ways to go there. If he gets there, I don't know. Last year, the coaches were reluctant to use Steven Sims in a return role because they worried about his decision-making and his ball security. That fumble today was a killer. Sure, he's going for an extra yard, but the number one job of returner is to make sure you secure the ball. He's been loose with the ball at times as a receiver, too. I do like what he offers. I think he can be good as a slot receiver, but this team can't afford big mistakes on special teams, too. Haskins continues to look like an inexperienced quarterback. I know Twitter loves instant judgments, but that's not my thing. I do know he has to get more help. I also know he has to be more accurate. The mechanics are off, his mechanics are off enough to make him inconsistent with his accuracy. That's something I'll be watching when looking back at the game. Did that improve in the second half and the fourth quarter? Why was he having more success? Was it just a matter of Arizona's coverage changing a little bit and getting more opportunities for Terry McLaurin? Or was there something else going on with Haskins? Was it, were his mechanics better? Um, that's something I want to see. I do know that his early struggles did not help. But again, was it all his fault? Clearly not. Rivera is committed to Haskins, and I think that's a good thing. I like the way he talks to him on the sidelines during the game. I think they have a good plan for trying to develop him. Whether or not it works, we'll see, but I do know they have a plan. And yes, you can judge him, Haskins, this season, but you also have to do it knowing how other aspects play into his failures, be it the line play or the receivers. And again, I've told you this before, the team knows how to judge this quarterback. What they're gonna, what, here's part of the way you judge Haskins. How does he respond this week? What's he doing? Is he coming in earlier? Is he coming in earlier, staying later? What's his response to a tough game? Again, nine starts. You have to judge every aspect of his game, and that's leadership. That's how he's handling himself, how he is after the games, and, and all that. So I think there's a ways to go with him in, in addition to, obviously, they need to get him help, more help in the future. But I will say this. I do like Antonio Gibson. I like that he continues to flash. 
Um, I think he and Terry McLaurin are bright spots for that offense, and I think J.B. McKissick will turn into one as well. I think he definitely offers something. McLaurin was terrific, and we know that, and, and I think they've got to get him more involved early. They had, it was, and Michael and I get into this later too, so I'll save it for there. They do have some players to build around. I just think there are so many questions. Some weeks those questions will provide okay answers and Washington will win. Some weeks it will look ugly. I've always said this season is about the second half of the year. The coaches will know a lot more about what they have, and at that point you need to be showing progress. I think a lot of coaches in this situation are kind of looking at this as like these first several games almost like a, an extended preseason because they didn't have that, and there's so much that these guys don't know. You like I'll give you an example. There, they had one thought on, on Sean Deion Hamilton uh, based on um, – their play without pads before before the hitting began in, in camp. They didn't like him that much. Then he gets in pads, then they liked him a lot more. The point is not so much that Sean Deion Hamilton, so he didn't have much of a role today, but the point of that is that they're le- there's still a lot more they have to learn. They're going to see one thing here and see another thing here. So they needed games to see what some of these guys can do and then you get to know. So this really is a learning process for them as well. They don't know all that they have here. That's that's not easy. So it's, it's that's why it's going to be a difficult situation for a little bit. It's going to be up and down. They'll know a lot more what they have in the second half of the year, and at that point you need to be showing, again, legitimate progress. You shouldn't have been throwing parades after last week. You can't cut every player or make all sorts of trades this week. And I wasn't hot on, on a couple coaching decisions going for too late in the game when it was 27 to 15 they had a chance to cut it to 11 make it a field goal and and a touchdown to tie however regardless and, and should you even say however regardless one or the other come on you can you can nail me on that regardless though at some point they'd have to convert a two-point attempt so whether they do it now or later they were going to have to do it at some point but it would have made it a you know it gives you a better chance I or it, maybe psychologically it helps you and maybe I I would say probably by the book you should have kicked or you should have just kicked it but again at some point you had to convert the two pointer Rivera also said he didn't take his timeouts late because in essence he felt the game was over didn't want to get guys hurt I think when he answered that question in the post game presser he was probably thinking about the timeouts on the very last possession like why run more in that situation I would agree I think I think the question I think some of that was probably more about on Arizona's drive and, and stopping the clock but the problem is they could barely get into third down let alone stop stop the or to get them off the field so if you could if they could have gotten them to some third downs you probably take a timeout but on second down early in those drives and I think there was only one third down on that drive um, or maybe maybe two but point is they weren't stopping them and you know I, I don't know that it was going to matter but I also do think that Rivera is trying to get a good, trying to get a feel for this team and where they're at, and he's really working on building the psychology of this team. It feels like, or at least um, harping a lot on that as much as anything. So we'll see where this goes, folks. But um, yeah, that there was not not a pretty game. And again, how do you respond? That's what growth is about. How do you respond? That's it for me. After this break, I'll be back with Michael Phillips of the Richmond Times-Dispatch as we discuss the key parts of Washington's loss. You've heard me talking about Lone Oak Coffee for a couple months now. Let me tell you a little bit about who they are and what they're about. Lone Oak Coffee is based in the Shenandoah Valley, just a nice bunch of people who are open for business during this trying time. 
Just look at their website, LoneOakCoffee.com, and what do they highlight? Their core values of quality, family, transparency. They work with co-op farmers from all over the world to source their beans. They also support small farmers to find the right beans. During this pandemic, one of my saving graces has been grinding my beans from Lone Oak Coffee and taking a few minutes before the day to savor the coffee, get my mind right. Put a little jazz or Frank Sinatra or Louis Armstrong on in the background, it's even better. I've enjoyed all their blends, but among my favorites, the Ethiopian Guji, love the berry flavor, the Mexican Chiapas, and their house blend. Start your day off right with Lone Oak Coffee. Visit LoneOakCoffee.com, that's L-O-N-E, O-A-K, coffee.com. Use promo code COFFEE2020 for a discount. You can thank me later. Michael, first of all, you were there. I was back here at actually at FedEx Field doing a story in the broadcast crew. You know, just being there, I mean, being here on this end, it was really, you know, you never really got the sense you were going to crawl back in this game. But I'm curious what were your sense being at the game did it ever feel like this was anything other than just a solid Cardinals win? It, it was a Cardinals win front to back, that's for sure. I, I, I thought that there were going to be some real positives to build on there. I'm thinking of that touchdown drive that made it 27-9. to um, you yeah. know, I, I thought that was a really nice drive by Haskins. They kind of gave it back defensively uh, after that. You know, Arizona had their way with them most of the game. The surprise for me was, I guess I'll say, how seriously Arizona took the game for all 60 minutes. They did not let off the yeah. gas. They continued to go for it. They continued to run what I thought were, were their best plays. And, and, you know, certainly on a day where they could have coasted this thing in for an easy win, I, they went for it for 60 minutes. And I think that was probably on their side, their coach sending a message to their team. They're, they're going for it on a fourth down, keeping <laughs> their own territory at a time. Like, you know, it, you can look at it two ways. One, they have a lot of confidence, but they didn't also feel threatened at all by what this offense might do against them. It was straight disrespect to Dwayne Haskins and company, and frankly, it was deserved. Um, you know, Haskins needed that drive where he kept finding Terry McLaurin. That that was, you right. know, that salvaged what I think otherwise you would have graded as probably a D or a D minus day for him. Yeah. We saw a lot of the things that we pointed out last week, and you know, obviously, winning fixes so many things. But Ron Rivera tried to tell us all week, you know, hey. The offense isn't rolling like we want it to be. This is a long process. Uh, you know, I, I think a lot of people didn't hear that because of the win, but we, we saw the same things today. Uh, you, he's just not, the throws don't have the touch on him. You know, he's not putting it right where he needs to be. Uh, uh, there are a lot of things he's going to need to go back to the drawing board on, but I, I, do, I do think Rivera continues to communicate his full commitment to Haskins, to developing him, to spending this year uh, and really working with him. I, I think that's important for Dwayne to hear. I think that's important for the fans to hear. He's not going to bail on him for having bad games. He will stick by him. Sure. And I think the problem here, Michael, is it's not just the quarterback. It's good. It's no. a growing pain all up and down the, that offensive roster outside of Terry McLaurin. I mean, really, that's, you know, he's the only one you say, okay, you know where he's at. That's the problem for Dwayne is that, you know, there are definitely things he has to do better. But then you look at that offensive line or what kind of help are they giving them? What kind of help are you getting over here? And, you know, it, it was never – and we – I mean, this was felt like it sh- – I wouldn't say should be obvious, but, like, you knew that this offense was up against it from the jump because oh, it's yeah. not – it was not put up this year for them to come out and get off to a strong start. So – but, you know, I think that's one of the things you have to wonder. What part – and this, I asked this on 
social media, but like what part are growing pains and what part are is the is the talent deficiency? Yeah, and if things aren't going to get easier with it, you know, I, I don't want to assume. But Brandon Sheriff's going to be out for a little while. Uh, right. So, you know, looking at that tape, certainly. I, I, I'll leave that to the Twitter doctors to fully diagnose before we get the word tomorrow. But that, that was that was oh, an ugly yes. one. And, you know, I, I wrote this, you know, and that is that you know, we judge Brandon Sheriff very harshly. And that's because he wants to be the highest paid right guard. You know, he's, he's getting right. franchise tag money. So we, we grade him on that curve. But, but when you step away from that, there will be a massive drop off in production at that position. And that's no knock on yeah. Wes Schweitzer. That's just to say the other guy was a top five pick in the NFL. And Brandon, I don't know that Brandon was playing at that level either yet. And yeah. so that's one of the things that you, yeah. you know, but there is, regardless, there's going to be a drop off. And that had to be the side of the line that was the anchor with he and Moses and their experience compared to Martin and Kristen on the other side, um, which they're, that's not an anchor. So, but yeah, that's, you have to figure that he would be lost for a, you know, I don't want to speculate because we don't know yet. So we'll find out Monday what, what his status is, but it certainly didn't look good. What did you think about like the way they finished? Can they build off that? Can they build off Antonio Gibson? Uh, and, uh, Gibson, but I thought JD McKissick had some nice plays as yeah. well. Uh, we saw a little about, bit yep. about what, what he's going to be capable of on third downs. Uh, Peyton Barber kind of cemented himself as the guy who gets a yard on fourth and one uh, a role. <laughs> you know, every, everybody's got their little niche here. So you're, you're waiting to see who develops there. Um, you know, certainly waiting for, for Logan Thomas, Dontrell Inman, uh, maybe to pop a little bit, give you a little something that hasn't quite happened yet. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I, I think that you say, how can we feed Terry McLaurin even more? How can we force him to be a part of the game? And that's not easy to do because when, when defensive coordinators turn on the tape of this team, that's the guy they're scared of is 17. They're not scared of anybody else. Uh, so it's going to be very hard to keep Terry involved and engaged. But if you can do it, you see how, how, that, how big that payoff is. He's so much better than the other pass catching options. You, you just, you got to find a way to get him involved and get him involved often. And it took him a, it took him a little while to get to him too. And part of that was not converting third downs, but they didn't attempt to – I don't think they even targeted him until there was like – it was deeper into the second quarter before he got a target. And that's a hard thing to do when he is your number one playmaker, and, and that's a hard way to go. What did you make of with Rivera going for the field goal versus touchdown on, on that first scoring drop? I like it, and, and, and you know, I – I think that there's a huge difference between zero and any other number. And, yeah. and I, Sam Fortier, the Washington Post, and I were arguing about this. I understand why everybody wanted him to go for it. Everybody wanted Rivera to play for the win. Rivera wasn't playing for the win. Rivera was playing for this to not be an embarrassment, for this to be something where he could take positives instead of leaving with, with a zero. If the score is 23-3 to three and they're in that situation, sure, go for it, because that's the smart play is to go for it and try to cut it to a two-possession game. To me, zero is just such a glaringly bad number. I think Rivera did not want to leave here sporting that zero. I understand the other side, though, because you do want, you know, last week you go for that fourth down, hey, you're playing to win, you're playing to win, and now it's about I want to get that goose egg off the board. And, you know, what's the mentality that you're building either one of those. And I think you, you think it's, you go case by case with that, but that's part of what I also wonder there too. Was that kind of what Sam was saying, or is he trying to, or was Sam having some sort of silly prop bet that he won money on off that? 
That's an inside joke, folks. He's always working those angles. It's uh, yeah, no, I I fully understand the line of thinking where you say we need to play for the win, we need to communicate, we're playing for the win, and obviously that's what going for it there would have done. I also think you know, let's be honest about what this offense was today. Were they going to convert that play fourth and six? I think the odds are they were not going to convert that play. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's I don't a need to be Sam Fortier running the numbers to give give you that prop bet. I don't think they were going to get it. Yeah, that's, Sam has his one eight hundred lock of the week for next week too. So, yeah, and I think the other thing that was disappointing to me because, like, I think, like I said, the offensive struggles you know are going to happen. We we I mean that again. There's too many parts here that are new. It's the pan, you know the the off season they've had, et cetera. New coach, et cetera. The defense, I felt like just they've got to get they've got to be more stout, and they can't keep you know it's two games in a row or his first series drive they harass the hell out of. Them, but they've got to be better overall and more consistent overall because that's the group that has to carry this team. Well, and and what you saw today was a particularly bad mismatch when you talk about Kyler Murray being able to avoid that defensive line the defensive line's gonna have to do the heavy lifting here there, there's yeah I, I thought Kevin Pierre-Lewis had a nice game uh, you know I, I I know there were some plays where Jimmy Moreland got beat but I think he continues to develop into a potential NFL starter caliber player but the defensive line's going to have to carry the load and this was just this was always going to be a bad matchup for them you look ahead to week four in baltimore lamar jackson's gonna make these guys look silly once he gets to the second level he's just a better player than these guys are so it was always going to be a bad matchup but you're right that they they do need more um you know from the guys who are not the defensive line one one thing you know people say oh you know the front seven is not the front seven it's the front four that's doing well right now it right. was the back seven that aren't carrying the load. I, I thought Deron Payne had a great, great game today, by the way. Um, he did. He, he, you really noticed him and his impact on the game. If this is another game against Carson Wentz, maybe they make some of those plays and allow them to stay in the game, win the game, and they'll get more opportunities to do that. You know, Even Baker Mayfield is a guy who they should be able to get to, should be able to make some some impact plays against. Um, but this this was a bad matchup. The Troy Appiah experiment, I'm going to be curious to see where they go with this because – the hardest position, one of the hardest positions to really tell in a practice is safety. You just, you have to be in a game. And so, you know, I know that they've seen improvement, um, but, you know, that's two weeks in a row where last week against the Eagles, he could have given up a couple of big plays, did not. Or he did some of those deep balls that were directly in his area, um, as opposed to today, he certainly did. And, and you know, the, the Kyler Murray misses, he does that to everybody. But you've got to be more consistent in that back end and coverage and taking angles and all that. And that's one of the things that um, I know fans are going to sit there and harp on that, even, you know, because that's that he's going to become the whipping boy for this season whenever there's anything that's going wrong. But he's got to be better. They've got to be better in the secondary overall in, in those cases. So do you think some of that is just a function, not just with him, but some of those plays they've given up, a function of this is, again, new group, communication takes time new coaching staff, et cetera, or is it just a matter? Do you think that's their excuse for them, or is that just an excuse? Yeah, and I think you look at they could have kept Sean Davis. You know, They, they could have gone out and got somebody. Those were options right. available to them. They, they could have done that. Uh, I think it's a statement by Rivera. He's committed to building around young guys, having you know, letting these guys take their lumps and develop. The, the question is, 
when do you pull the plug on that experiment? And, you know, that week two is not the answer, of course, but but it's it's time to start having that discussion. If Apke looks like this in week 10, is it time to say, next man up, let, let's start developing somebody? When do you when do you make that ruling that this is not the kid to build around? And you you got to have that discussion in a lot of different positions as well. Um, but but the third downs, man, the third downs were, were killer yeah. both ways, you know. Uh, killer uh, what they were doing allowing them from Arizona um, and I guess it would, I would say it was more the second downs that were killer and, and Rivera mentioned this offensively yeah. second yeah. second and one turns into third and four or second and yep. 11 after a penalty uh, you know you, you you do you work so hard to put yourself in that situation and, and then to squander it is very frustrating it, it is and and that's you know but you're you're right about like with um, going back to a guy like Apke because that's where I go back to is it a growing pain or is it just he's a better special teamer? You know, is that we, you know, and I think I know some fans have their answers on that. I don't know that the coaches, more importantly, have their answer on that. But that's the thing I think that's going to be a lot about this, what the season is about is finding that full answer. I'm also curious, you know, and you may you may have some perspective on this where Cameron Curl ends up as well because he's a guy who, who clearly they're training to do a lot of different things. He is, and I don't know about him deep at this point because we haven't seen him in that role. I know in camp we saw him a little bit, but again, it's hard to always tell. And like Apke, when we saw practice for who he is, he looked he looked fine. I mean, there you know you can't say it's like oh he just you know. But again, you you don't see you don't you're not playing a game in practice, so you're not seeing the end result of a play. And you're not seeing a team game planning to maybe get something against you. And, uh, you know, so I, I'll just I'll be curious to see where that goes. And listen, I don't I don't know that he's the biggest problem on that team, certainly. But it is certainly a big question mark moving forward that has to be answered. They've got to find some sort of positive answer. But again, that's what I say, Michael. You know, you look at this first two weeks now. You have a game. You're down 17. Nothing. You come back. Great mindset. Resilient. Now you have 17 nothing and just looked ugly most of the game. And I just kind of think this is this is probably who they are, don't you think? Yeah, and your comment about, you know, not being able to tell from practice, I think really sheds light on you, you don't want you don't want this to be like the comedic excuse where like they keep we keep saying it so so it's ridiculous, but they didn't right. have an offseason. Like it right. is fair to say they didn't have an offseason, they didn't have joint practices, they didn't have preseason games where they went against other teams, and, and that hurt. Ron Rivera's ability to make evaluations on these guys. It's fair to say all that. We'll have to quit saying that at some point because I, I know fans don't want to hear that at a certain point. At some, at some point, it does become about progress right now. I agree. But to start the season, I just I always felt like this is going to be hard for them to get off to a good start because it just, you know, so I always felt like the second half, the second half of the year, those excuses are out the window. You better be playing better. And so, you know, where do you think they go from this week? I mean, you know, what what – you know, we got you know we've got um, to cover a game. I guess what they got the Browns this week. So, what do you think we're going to be looking at here? Yeah, if if you were to rank the the the, the panic levels here, I, I do think offensive line is number one. You, you've got to figure out something here on the offensive line to to get a, a little bit better. J- just time, feel, progress offensively. I, I think that's probably you know the the one thing you need to really go back to the drawing board on this week. And, and then I, I think it's probably Apke on the defense because, you know, Kendall Fuller will be ready when Kendall, Kendall Fuller's ready. And you're hoping, obviously, that that's for this week against the Browns. That would be a difference maker. Um, you know, if, if not, there's nothing you can do about that. Right. Uh, I, 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 
I, I think the win against the Eagles was really important just in the sense of like, you know, now the sky doesn't fall. Even if, right. and, and I think we've all chalked up the Ravens game as a probable loss. That's, that's going to be, that's that's, be a trouble game for anybody on their schedule. Good, good football team. But, you know, it takes the pressure off of Cleveland that you, you don't want to start. Oh, wait a minute. This is, this, is, this is the football team. <laughs> um, you know, you've got that one in the cut. You didn't get shut out. You know, right. Rivera said, yeah, right. I, I didn't, I didn't want to be good shut point. out. They're not shut out. They have one in the win column and that, and that's awesome uh, because it really takes the pressure off, you know, Oh, you got to beat Cleveland. Otherwise you're going to Oh, and four. Right. It's all right. They've got one in the win column, less pressure, but I do think it's a better matchup. I expect to see strides over the course of this next week. That's what, that's what, that's what the season becomes about. Do you see that progress? And it's sometimes it's going to be week to week. Sometimes it's going to be over the course of a month and you start to see them playing better. That's what it has to be about. Last thing, Last time we were in Arizona, we made a trip to the Grand Canyon in the in the Michael Phillips, you know, minivan special where we we're passing BMWs on the road. No lie. So what did you do yesterday? And we, you know, th- those of us who couldn't, who aren't going on the road, what did you do? I went to the Salt River Canyon, um, which which is only about an hour. The Grand Canyon was four hours. You might remember. Um, yes. Certain people fell asleep in the car. It was very contentious. Um, <laughs> the Salt River Canyon is about 60 minutes outside of town. Uh, it's billed as Arizona's other canyon. Uh, and, it, and it would be an all-star canyon in 49 other states. Uh, it, it, was, it was really nice. It, it, you know, I woke up so early. I woke up at 4 a.m., of course, because I'm not adjusted at all out here. So went out, did that, did some hiking, uh, met up with... Um, uh, Les Carpenter of the Washington Post. Uh, we we traded uh, war stories uh, at his hotel, um, and then uh, he tried to get us a dinner table at his hotel, the Marriott. And um, they they were telling him we're all booked, and he was trying to explain, "I'm staying at the hotel. This is the hotel restaurant. What do you mean you're all booked?" Um, it, it it was a so it's it was this year's a Claire moment uh, for sure. Yes. Uh, was was Les Carpenter trying to get a table at his hotel restaurant? And I'll explain the Claire thing at a later time. <laughs> That's a very inside joke. All right. Well, what happened was we went to a gas station and they have in those little donut things, they have those, you know, those eclair shaped things. An eclair has filling in the middle. So I'm buying that. Think it's an eclair. They don't tell you it's not an eclair. You think it's an eclair. So I buy it and I don't eat a lot of donuts. It was a a treat for me, man. I get in the car and I take a bite and there's no cream filling. False advertising, man. Well, you got you got the home field advantage in Cleveland next week, so I, I fully expect we'll be getting the John Kime experience around town. There you go. All right, Michael, thanks a lot for joining me. Have a good flight back. You bet. Well, that's it for this week. Thanks to Lono Coffee for their continued sponsorship, and thank you for listening. Got a Therapy Thursday coming up, folks. Talk to you next time.